everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Sug Talks. I'm Craig Dale, your host, and together with our special guest, we'll take a deep dive into the topics, challenges and opportunities facing SAP users today. Please make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode. I'm delighted to be joined today by Sadeep Shetty, Chief Information and Transformation Officer at Britvic. So welcome, Sadeep. And in today's episode, which is one uh, and the latest in our series of interviews with senior IT leaders, where we talk about their career highs, lows, and also tips for getting ahead and the challenges that they face throughout their career. And I really look forward to getting into that with you, Sadeem. So, as anyone that's listened to our previous episodes know, uh, I always ask a bit of an icebreaker question and... I do really enjoy a food-related icebreaker. So this week, I thought I'd ask Sadiq, what is your favourite midnight or late-night snack? I'll give you a little moment to think about that. And to be honest, from my perspective, it's not often I'm up that late. Uh, when I got handed this question, it was like, oh dear, where am I? And I'm thinking, mm, okay, if it's late night and it's midnight, from my perspective, it's when I've been out uh, for a few sociables, shall we say. And it was always a chicken kebab from the kebab shop on the way home with both chilli and garlic sauce. So, you know, that that's me uh, and what I like. So, Sadeep, what's yours? So, first... Uh... <clears throat> Correct. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, it's it's always great to participate in anything you guys do because you know the SAP, the, the whole SAP user group community is so important for our teams. And if I can help in any way or contribute in any way, it it means a lot for me and my team. So thanks for having me over here. Uh, for your icebreaker question, to be fair, um, uh, I have two kids now. One of them is a toddler, uh, nine months old. So for me, midnight snack is when they wake up and I have to wake up. And so the max I do is go down and have some fruits. And uh, to compliment, if I get another 10 minutes, I'll have ice cream or something sitting there. It's it's like oh. a bit of a treat for myself. But but that's how far it goes. Um, I've missed that opportunity of having a lot of drinks going out kind of thing. But whenever I do, yeah, I'll have a donut kebab like you. But most times it's... It's, it's a bit of a fruit or a bit of ice cream. Oh, that's nice. I like I like a bit of ice cream. And when, you know, I, I know when I would uh, feed my grandchildren when they were younger, I always liked a bit of their fruit puree. And people look at me and say, oh, you're eating that with them? Oh, yeah, I enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, well, welcome, Sadeep. And you're more than welcome. And, uh, you know, ju just to kick us off, I suppose, could you just let me know, how did you get into IT and what led you to the field of SAP? So, and, and this is a bit, bit interesting story. So I don't have a big, um, like, you know, information technology or IT background. I did my mechanical engineering and I had a bit clear set plan, which obviously didn't, didn't, uh, didn't come to life. But my plan was do, uh, do my engineering uh, and join my family business, which is in the field of, of mechanical, uh, you know, we make parts for cars and all that kind of thing. Okay. So that was my plan. But uh, in 2005, when I was graduating in India, there was a big tech boom. And uh, to be fair, uh, 
before even I completed my, my graduation, I had about three offers from big tech companies. So I decided to join Cognizant. And my, my aim was that before I go into family business, I wanted to learn more about the corporate culture and work from there. So I joined Cognizant, did my training over there. And I was just lucky that um, I got, uh, got into one of Cognizant's big accounts, which is JP Morgan Bank. And I was immediately had the opportunity to come to London and work over here. So that's how my tech career started. From an SAP perspective, when I was at JP Morgan, I didn't have much exposure to SAP. So what I was doing as a business analyst, my job was predominantly help them build a, a, a settlement system for middle office, back office trades. So I was a business analyst. I'll take requirements. We were building a custom system in, in Cognizant. This is the time before a lot of SaaS products. So, you know, we were building a lot of systems ourselves. And uh, I did that for four years, also helped. JP Morgan built a captive in Mumbai. And after that, I joined MNS. And that's where my SAP career began, kind of thing. So, MNS is a big SAP house, and uh, we were doing a big SAP implementation called, uh, we used to call it BFP, Business Foundation Program. And which is rightly so, you know, SAP is the is the base for any business. Uh, if you have SAP, that's your core ERP most of the times. So that's where my career with, with SAP started. And after that, I worked at a number of retail organizations like Selfridges, Jack Wills, which were all big SAP houses. So I continued my journey with SAP. And then I switched into FMCG, CPG with, with Britwick, and, and we'll talk about it more. But again, we are a big SAP house over here. So that's a bit about how I got into technology. So I'm not a core technologist at heart, and I just want to be honest about it. I did my mechanical engineering, which works more on logic. But then I got into it, and I loved what I did at JP Morgan, what I did with COG, and I thought I'm going to continue my career this way, and I loved living in London. So that's how it has been for the last, what, 18 years now. Oh, fantastic. And to be honest, when we have these conversations, that's not as rare as it might seem. There's a lot of senior IT leaders that we've spoken to who kind of come from a non-IT background and obviously just, you know, came into the role with transferable skill sets and, and a different business viewpoint as well, which is really good. And it's interesting there from, if you, I suppose, your outlook, mechanical engineering, retail, and then uh, FMCG, et cetera. It's quite, quite a, a, a nice, varied uh, experience there as you've gone through that life. So how, I suppose, if you're looking to move uh, to Britvic, how what what made you choose that how did you land that role and again that that is very interesting so you know i i loved retail and i loved the e-com space so that was booming through that time so you know and, and i worked at brands like selfridges which uh, we were doing and gdpr was not a constraint at that time so we were doing things uh, which which was just everything was focused on on having an enhanced user experience so how can we take the data how can we personalize everything so i love that part of the journey i love the supply chain part of e-commerce as well like you know the whole logistics part of it but after doing mns selfridges jack wills i came to a point and i've said i've kind of saturated within an industry which is retail and that too, too focused on e-com kind of thing did a lot of transmission in that space but still i felt i needed to go a bit beyond the retail domain and um you know i had i had this the then cio at britwick a gentleman called steve potts is a very close friend of mine he was over here and i got approached uh, i had friends over here many of them are still with working with me uh, and uh, i decided to come and give it a shot and uh, I never went back to retail because since then retail has gone a bit downhill kind of thing. You know, the the, the, the the traditional retail space and CPG, FMCG is booming. 
and i love the part of of working in a cpg industry because you get to see far more so when you work in retail normally manufacturing is done somewhere else you mainly control the the selling part and the fulfillment part but when you work in a cpg industry you actually see far more you see the end to end supply chain from procuring raw materials like oranges and getting the final orange juice product out there to the consumer it's a very different experience and then when you look at britwick uh, for me this is the longest job i've ever done i've been at britwick almost uh, over 6 and a half years now very close to 7 years now um britwick is a, is a, is it is a is a unique company in some ways so uh, it's very people driven and when i say people i mean our employees our customers our consumers that's the that's at the heart of it and and we run the company on three key fundamentals which we call is at 3 p's which is people planet and performance so our 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 view is performance will always come if you focus on people and planet obviously we just finished our financial year i can't talk much about performance but if you look at all our past history performance has always worked for us and 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 britwick since my time over here has been on a real transmission journey so i really enjoy what i do and that's that's the way i got into it oh fantastic and and how big's your team at britwick So at at Britwick I run um, I run about three distinct departments. So I started uh, three and a half years back as the CIO uh, and I I'm responsible for global IT. So that's how where I started and I'm still responsible for all of the global technology team. Uh about two and a half years back i took on responsibility of data and analytics so we are consolidating a significant part of our data analytics reporting teams and that now sits centrally uh, which makes a huge difference to drive change and third i i i've took recently in the last year i've taken responsibility of group wide transmission so any transmission that sits beyond the space of technology and data that still sits under me now and especially in the current environment you know where in the macro economy uh, at least for at least for us in gb nothing seems to be working in in the last 8 9 months especially since the war in ukraine kicked off that that's a big part of my job now seeing how we can transform our company not with a short time lens you know obviously there's cost pressures and everything but with a long term view how do we transform our supply chain how do we transform our commercial capability how do we transform our functions so those are the three distinct departments i run and globally we we have a team in france uh, of about you know about 17 18 people we have a team in brazil of about 20 people and we have a team over here of about 80 85 people kind of thing so roughly about 130 people but the way we operate um is is very partner like you know our partners are a big part of our strategy and and i always say this we make soft drinks yeah i's already said my background uh, so our core capability is not technology and data and you know that's 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 not the space we play in we need technology and data to enable us to transform us but our main capability is making soft drinks that are loved by millions of people and our family favorites so for us the partners are a big part of um, our, our network and they're almost like our extended family so we don't distinguish so we have a lot of employees with infosys with amazon with with men with wipro who are part of our family and that's how we operate in a very um, i won't call it outsourced because it undermines it but in a very strategic sourcing model so some bits we do in house some bits we do uh, with our partners and i think that's really important we've talked about it so many times in in different episodes on here the kind of the value of relationships in business and 
it, it really is like you you said that part of the family. I, I think that that's excellent and shows the strength of, of the relationships in uh, the, the supply chain, etc. So, can you tell me a bit more about the transformation of Britvic and you know what's happening at the moment and perhaps where where you're going there? So, so I'll split that in three spaces as my role is in three areas and we're transforming in all three areas. And well, you know, one is just called transmission, but from a technology perspective, so when I took on as the CIO, uh, we started with the journey uh, and this is, you know, before COVID, before Ukraine war and everything, we started with a journey to simplify and standardize Britwick. Uh, and that was our motto, to simplify and standardize Britwick to the means of technology and data. We launched our strategy um, at the beginning of 2020, just before COVID, we launched our strategy called Mission 2025 to be a FTSE 100 company. And one of the biggest enablers in there was technology, data, and culture. And they're all all linked together. So, so, so we looked, we did analysis for a long time, and our strategy was, how can I simplify the lives of our employees? So they're spending most of their time in, you know, not struggling with technology, but focusing on their day jobs like selling or manufacturing and those kind of things. So with that journey, we kicked off a number of programs. And if, if you look at Britwick, as I said, we simply, what do we do? You manufacture, uh, so you make your products. You, you you ship them. So logistics is a big part of it. In manufacturing, we procure a lot of raw material. That's our biggest spend. And then you sell them. So if you look at those big parts, those are the areas we started with. We started with a commercial transmission program to transform our complete commercial capability, like how we sell, how we do promotions. We started uh, with warehousing with SAP. So we implemented a product called SAP EWM, uh, which is now in, it, in its final stages. And we have been implementing it across all our factories to get a single view of stock. We are implementing another SAP product called Ariba, so which is in the procurement space. So we are implementing all modules of SAP now. Uh, and we have just finished it, literally just finished it. And that's been a big part of transforming our procurement function. Uh, we are implementing SAP's asset manager in the digital manufacturing space and another Amazon's product. So those were the big things that we kicked off. Some of them are completed and some of them are yet to be completed. But how we looked at the technology strategy is we are actually trying to reduce the number of systems. So if you look at Britwick, we are a business mainly for the grocery world when, when we had our first SAP implementation about 15, 20 years back now. Uh, and, and we were selling it to the big gross, groceries like Tesco's and Asta's. But since then, our business has evolved significantly. We have a big out-of-home presence. We sell it to the wholesalers, to the pubs, to the restaurants. So we now need to cater for the for the big players and the small players, you know, in different spaces at the individual level. We also have a big e-commerce presence now from a B2B, D2C perspective. So we wanted to like, you know, our systems had just evolved over a period of time. So we took a step back and say, no, we need to build our systems that cater for our future presence and how we want to go and grow in every area. So we actually, uh, like with the commercial program, we have replaced about eight systems with one. So our aim is to simplify. So that was the first part of our transformation. And we're about halfway through our journey. And the second half is yet to come now. But in the first half, we focused on everything on the periphery, transformed all the all the functions and the key 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 business drivers. And then we'll go do a big heart surgery with a greenfield implementation of S4 HANA, which is what will start now in 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 you know coming time. So that's the first part. Then we did a major data analytics transmission. So 
if you look at again uh, CPG companies, master data is a big part. So when we were doing all these tech programs, we said, okay, this is a good opportunity to transform all our data as well. So we changed all our customer hierarchies, product hierarchies, how we look at data, we just transform the whole bit. And that is helping us now significantly to integrate external data like Nielsen data, Kantar data, the market data, very easily in our systems because we are standard now. So we can get the data real time, see what's happening in the marketplace, make our decisions accordingly. So that's the second part of our transmission, which goes very hand in hand with the technology space. Third is, um, is, is pure transmission beyond technology and data in, in the business. And again, technology and data plays a role, but it's more focused on efficiency. We are running a big supply chain transmission program because we did um, a supply chain investment of about 260 million couple of years back and we have invested and modernized all our factories and we have one of best in class factories in in almost europe right now but when you put that level of investment you need to continuously have programs to get the most out of it to sweat your assets so we are now saying can we get all the data real time and can we make the most out of it are we you know are we focusing on the big skews in the current climate so there's a lot of supply chain transmission there's a lot of functional transmission getting ready for s4 so that's how i look at the wider transmission of a business getting ready for what is yet to come tomorrow and obviously there's a lot of uncertainty in the short term but in the long term we know where we want to be and how we'll get there fantastic so it sounds like uh, you you've got a lot going on <laughs> i suppose it keeps you out of trouble uh, and especially when you're up with the uh, the the babies on an evening uh, as well i hope you do find time to sleep hi we're the uk and ireland sap user group did you know we're a fiercely independent not-for-profit? Did you know we're a vibrant community of over 6,500 SAP users? And did you know we help each other by sharing resources, championing education and influencing SAP's future development? Well, you do now. If you'd like to get the most from your SAP investments and be in the know, visit our website, sapusers.org forward slash pod. We hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast. Uh, just... So lots going on there in, in, in transformation of, of the company in general, SAP play, playing quite quite a part of that. And obviously you also touched on some of the challenges that we've had in, in recent times with, you know, the likes of the pandemic, or obviously crisis in Ukraine. And of course, we, we, we had Brexit uh, that that kind of unfolded over several years. How, how have those challenges affected you? And, you know, how, how have you overcome them? So the good thing is those challenges are for everyone. And the way we at Britwick, not just me, we at Britwick look at it as every challenge is an opportunity. So it comes with disruption, it comes with pain. But through every challenge, some people will die like you know and i don't mean the literal sense like the pandemic but some businesses will really struggle and die and which is what we have seen a lot especially in the retail space but some businesses will absolutely flourish and and and, and i don't mean the likes of just the amazons you know like you know during covid they 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 hit the roof uh, with all their success. But beyond that, there were so many other businesses with the strategic views, they succeeded through it. So every time when we get into a crisis like that, and Britwick is amazing in crisis, we actually turn the angle and say, how can we grow through this? So if I look at the, the problems we face, so during Brexit, we actually faced a big shortage of drivers. And for us, from a logistics perspective, that was a big pain. We also faced shortage of raw material. So that becomes a pain. During that time, there was a big CO2 crisis as well. So there were like only three places where the CO2 comes from. And for one factory was down, two were in maintenance. So 
and then CO2 gets prioritized for rightly so for uh, you know the food industry for the for the meat industry. So we went through a lot of that, but year on year actually the crisis has made us better. We are more and more resilient. When I look at COVID, uh, and you know COVID was one of the worst things to mankind. Like you know from from a health perspective, it was bad for everyone. I had COVID, my family had COVID, and I know actually people within friends and family who had really bad impact. So so that is really the worst part of it. But when I look at us as Britwick as a business, we actually. Uh, it impacted us because a big part of our business is out of home. So when pubs and restaurants are closed, who is consuming your drinks? But what we did that, we ch we changed the dynamic and we focused so much on the retail part because, you know, the retail boomed through it. Tesco had a like one of the most biggest success years during that time. So we, we took massive amount of market share. Uh, in the retail part and our products products were very well accepted in the business we drove a lot of innovation we drove a lot of lot from a sustainability angle because people got very health conscious during that period of covid like and everyone was home everyone was very focused on what they were eating what they were drinking so we took the advantage of that from a technology perspective it actually helped us and, and it's it's a bit funny when i say that uh, we actually did a big <laughs> leapfrog into um, so we did a journey of digitalization which would have taken us about two years. We did that in six months. So, you know, and I think that most organizations, it, it helped them because everyone was forced in using Teams and Zoom and all that. Imagine in the past world, you had to force people, especially at the senior level, but now there was no other medium. So Teams adoption went for us through the roof. People were so used on using online, like, you know, our intranet platforms and everything. We didn't cut any of the investment. For some companies and some tech functions, there was a problem. A lot of investment was cut because the future was so uncertain. But as I said, our board and our CEO is so focused on the long-term growth. We actually didn't cut any of our investment. All the tech programs just carried on. That's why we could finish everything on time right now. So we didn't have the big part of that impact from a technology space in the grand scheme of things. So I think that was positive. When I look at Ukraine crisis, um, obviously, again, shortage of drivers. Inflation is through the roof, so that's for everybody. Uh, we are taking price in the marketplace like every other provider is doing. So, you know, th there is a lot of inflation coming our way. And and we now have to do it in the most sensible manner because, you know, we, we think about the consumers the most. What does it mean for the consumer about their choices and everything? So it's a very tricky situation for us. So if within all those, I think the one that has hit us the most is the Ukraine war. But again, uh, and as I said, we are in the close period right now, so I can't talk much. But I think we had a, a good year. And uh, we are all prepped for next year in a way that for the last four years, we have learned that whatever you plan, it's not going to go that way. So yes. we are more prepared. We are more resilient. And we are actually now with the open mindset for the first time. Okay, it's not going to be it's not going to be hunky dory. You just got to be prepared for it. Because after COVID, when we started this year and our financial year is October to September. So COVID had really you know come in control we thought this year is going to be okay easy for once in our lifetime it's going to be a reasonably easy year but it turned out to be to be one of the most difficult years so now we are thinking okay it's only going to get difficult from here and we are just more resilient and we're more prepared for it it's very very interesting and i think you know the, the the word you use there is key and and that is resilience and you know reflecting on that as well resilience because of the perhaps agility the flexibility and 
that attitude of every challenge being an opportunity just puts you in a completely different mindset when, when coming up against those challenges. And, you know, I, I like what you're saying there as well. It, and for me, it, it's balance. Well, what I see, what you were talking about there, she mentioned earlier, the, the people, planet and performance and balancing those three on your people, you know, for the planet and obviously ensuring that the company can still perform because if it doesn't, then it's not going to be there in the long term to feed back into the people and the planet, etc. So excellent. And, and thank you very much for that. And so when when you're going through these uh, transformations, uh, when, when you're looking at, at moving into new areas and also, I suppose, when you come up against the, the odd challenge internally, where, where do you and your teams go for help on specifically, I suppose, SAP-related matters? See, I think, um, to be fair, we have a very healthy relationship with SAP. And... Um, and, and there are two types of problems. One, you have a, you know, SAP is down and production is down. So SAP is that critical for us. It'll it'll stop stop our business because we'll stop production. For that, we have a we have a really good set mechanism of our our operations team with Infosys contacts, SAP, and all that kind of thing. So so that never is a problem. What happens to the next year is when we're working with issues with SAP on something that you can't find a root cause or, you know, something that is really tricky. Our teams connect with people in the SAP user group. Our, our teams go to communities. Our teams talk to other people as well, other FMCG providers through the connect. So so I think that's one area of, of working. And we have our SAP basis team and they work very closely with the user group community. Then we have product-related issues. So we implemented SAC now, and uh, nobody uses SAC as much as we do. This is what we have learned from SAP. So we were one of the early adopters four years back, and we have about 900 people on SAC. We don't use it just for reporting. We use it for planning as well. So we have taken or we have stress-tested the product to another level. So, you know, you obviously face problems. And when you face problems, and when it comes to me, because I'm not involved in the day-to-day -day operations, but when it comes to me, it's an escalation. So my first point of contact is always Mikel. And uh, he, he's a brilliant leader, I feel like. you know he's While, while being the MD of uh, SAP for UK and I, he is so focused on each customer and their problems, and he knows the details. So immediately, if I send an email, he'll respond to me with all the detail, which is which at times is like, how does he have time to do all that? But but he does it, and he puts the right people in place. And a good example now is we had a problem with SAP. He he directly pulled in the product owner, someone sitting in America, and he said, that's the chief product officer for this product. He's a very senior person, and that person is on daily calls with our people to say, okay, how do we fix it? So we do get issues, but we believe in the wider ecosystem of SAP and how they operate kind of thing. And I think that's always the journey with SAP. You have SAP like the ERP system. We hardly get any issues because it's very stable. It's, it's like super stable. But when you have new products, they always come with problems, obviously so, like any other product. But then we believe in the SAP product ecosystem and the way they partner with us. They look at us as a strategic partner. For us, they are very, very strategic. And then we have the relationship to make things happen. Back again to what you were talking about earlier on relationships 
and the, the power of those positive relationships and how that can build trust. And, you know, people will always be there for you. And that, that, that's excellent. And, and, and I, I agree, you know, you, you, you build those relationships. And, you know, I've always found Michael to be absolutely excellent with SAP. And he is very focused on the customers. And I, I would completely agree with that. So that great relationship with SAP, great relationship with your partners. You mentioned the wider ecosystem and also the SAP user group. Thank you for that. <laughs> and, you know, all of that comes together in that SAP community. And, you know, it's there, it's there for helping, you know, building healthy relationships and trusted relationships with, with your peers and your, your teams being able to do that as well. And, you know, I, I think that, really speaks volumes in what in what you've said there and i'm delighted that you know you you brought that to bear because it it really does show that power you know back again i'm sorry if i'm just laboring the point that power of relationships i i yeah. I, I just think it's phenomenal and so you you kind of you've moved through we've already talked about the the lots of different roles from uh in, in different industries how has that experience in, in other roles and industries helped or impacted your career when, you know, working with, with SAP? And have you been able to bring some key learnings into that that you've applied? So, as I said, I'm not a technologist, so I'm, I'm not the guy who knows SAP to the core or, to be honest, any product. But... Um, for, for me, the strength is logic and relationships. So through the years, for various partners I've worked, I've always had great relationship with SAP. So before Mikhail, it was Yan Samal, who is now running their Singapore operations, I think. So I had great relationship with him. So that helped. So what I bring, what I brought to Britwick with was the relationships. And when I was working at SAP and, you know, bigger organizations, um, or at least bigger at that time, uh, you build strategic long-term relationships with senior people and that really helps you. So that is one part. Second, when, when I look at what people do with SAP, SAP is a very sophisticated product. Yeah, it's been there for 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 decades now. Yeah, 50 like, years uh, now, it's, it's the years, birthday yeah. this year. So, yeah, so it, it was there before I was born. So there is, <laughs> there is, there, there is, you, you need to appreciate what it brings and how it has evolved and everything. What people do is, because SAP allows you the freedom, the first thing people look at is customization. And then what happens? Because a product like that stays in your ecosystem for a long time. Many of the products come and go because products evolve. Like, you know, every five years things change, but you don't change your ERP that often. So you've got to be very mindful when you have a short-term problem and you're dealing with something you quickly go write a custom code do something and that person will go and in another couple of years nobody remembers what that is and that becomes a big problem for everybody so for me when you're dealing with a sophisticated beast like sap you got to keep in mind simple and standard so if if i have to write a custom code i should go to sap and say well why is it not your functionality and most of the times they'll say well, this is how you do it or there's a plug-in use that kind of thing simplifying your systems and keeping them simple 
is is a big part for me in my journey standardization and simplification is is my big motto you you if you want to run if you you know you, you got to appreciate you are not the technologist they are so if it's so important they would have done it anyway so why are you trying to mess around with it so that, that's my big learning when i came here we we did a major simplification program we standardized a lot of things and that's helping me today because you know you, you can focus on the bigger things and if it goes wrong you can just go back to them and they'll say yeah yeah this is our bit and we need to fix it that's excellent and you, you know with, with that in mind it, it it also will help people get ready for the cloud environment as well because that is a exactly. much more standardized environment of course so uh, excellent thank you Sadeep so finally if you were able to look into your crystal ball and that this is a difficult one at this current time. We don't know what's around the next corner, really. <laughs> what do you think will be the biggest change we'll see in the coming five years in the world of IT? If if I had a crystal ball, I think uh, I would first see what's happening with the government, second with inflation, uh, borrowing cost interest rates, but uh, and even what's happening next week, as you said. But beyond that, from a technology space, I think... Um, Honestly, think AI would be the biggest disruptor, and that would not be done. And you know, I love working with SAP. That wouldn't be done by the big companies. I think it'll be done by the startups, because it's very easy to drive innovation in a startup. So AI would be the biggest, biggest disruption, biggest threat, however you call it. And the startups will drive it because they're so quick at innovating. And then what will happen is. Um, the startups either will get massive VC fundings or get acquired by the big companies who have the reach and who will drive the, the the adoption of those innovations kind of thing. So for me, in my eyes, AI is going to be by far the biggest thing in every space. Not like you know, when you when you talk about not just core IT like you know cars and everything, AI will play a big part in every part of our life. From a core SAP perspective, um, if I had to look at it, like. Uh, would would um, significant more percentage of people be there on S4 with rise and everything? Yes, but but that's not a prediction. That's a bit obvious, right? That's that's their strategy. That's what everybody is doing. We would be there. For me, what would be a big thing is SAP will go beyond the ERP space, and I think what I see with SAP, which which I'm surprised that there has not been that much of adoption with what I see with SAP with the work they are doing on the data in the data analytics space. So with SAC, which is a big focus for us, the SAP Analytics Cloud, the whole whole reporting analytics inside space and how they're building their new data warehouses. You know, it's, it's a bit immature at times, right, as of now, because it's so new. But in five years' time, SAP will be a key, key source for people to drive their data analytics journey. And as of now, there are many players, many products in the market, and, you know, we chose, we chose SAP. And we are one of the really early ones, so we have to bear the pain of it. But I still believe our strategic long-term partnership is SAP. And in five years' time, SAC or equivalent products of SAP would be the key. And imagine your your ERP, your data warehouse, your data lakes, your analytics tools, everything is all interconnected. The power of that, the real-time power of that will be amazing. So for me, from, a, from an ERP and SAP perspective, that'll be the big thing. Oh, fantastic. I think I heard a saying once, uh, he who owns the data owns the world, but I suppose it's he who is able to extract the insight and intelligence from the data will own the world. But that that's fantastic. Uh, Sadiq, 
thank you. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for your insights. And thank you for listening. Uh, we, we hope you've enjoyed our conversation and, and found it valuable. So please make sure you do subscribe so you don't miss any of our future senior IT leader interviews. And until the next time, stay safe, stay well, and keep washing your hands. Mm-hmm.